say something to us. Our opening scripture was in the book of St. John, the 12th chapter, and we read verses 12 through 19, and I'm not going to read all the verses again, amen, but what I do want us to focus on briefly is on verse 12. Let's just look at verse number 12, verse number 12. You will find these words in the King James Version and also in the God's Word Version. Verse 12, King James says, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And then the God's Word translation says it this way. On the next day, the large crowd that had come to the Passover festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. The people heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And so I want to talk to you all uh, just for a few moments or as the spirit leads from this subject matter, the place, the people, and the purpose, the place, the people, and the purpose. When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, (laughs) the Bible said that the great multitude, much people were come to the feast. They came to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming. The place the people, and the purpose. Well, today, as I've already said, we celebrate Palm Sunday. Of course, this is the Sunday before Easter. Uh, Christians around the world recognize Palm Sunday uh, as the day uh, that Jesus made his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. You have to understand that on this day, prophecy was fulfilled uh, for the prophet Zechariah had recorded this event some 400 years earlier. In fact, in Zechariah, the ninth chapter, verse nine, we, we read, it says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. And it says he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a coat, the fowl of an ass. When you look at the 12th chapter, the 12th chapter of the gospel of John, our scripture text, it begins the uh, account of Jesus's final week, uh, which concludes in his death at the end of the week and his resurrection on the first day of the week, which will be next Sunday, Easter Sunday. Well, you know, you, we, we, you have to understand that you can't celebrate Easter. You can't celebrate Easter Sunday. You cannot celebrate a resurrection unless there's a prior death. In order to have a resurrection, there must be a death. (laughs) And so a lot of people like to skip, amen, from Palm Sunday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then they want to skip right to the resurrection. Well, we can't do that because this 12th chapter, it gives the final week of Jesus's life. 
And so the events of this week actually uh, began on Saturday evening. It actually began on yesterday uh, with a dinner in the town of Bethany. Now, that dinner took place in Bethany, about two miles southeast of Jerusalem. And so following the dinner last night, y'all follow me, (laughs) following the dinner last night, Jesus makes his way to the city of Jerusalem from his for his triumphal entry. Now, this was a time, this was a time when all Israel uh, would be gathered at Jerusalem for the Passover. And it is said, it said that uh, there may have been as many as a half a million people present, every male within 25 miles of Jerusalem was required to be in attendance for the week of Passover. So don't miss that. Every male within a 25-mile radius was required to be at the Passover. And so it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth who entered into the city of Jerusalem riding on a little donkey. Now notice, as he entered through the eastern gate of the city, multitudes of people shouted and cheered, and they were casting uh, palm branches in his path. And not only were they yelling and screaming, but they were also crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. And they said, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And they say, Hosanna in the highest. So you have to understand this was no ordinary day. Uh, For on this day, Palm Sunday, Jesus would initiate a week that would forever change the course of uh, history. Even though he had already opened up blinded eyes and he had unstopped deaf ears, he had raised from the dead already. He had multiplied bread. He had performed many miracles. But it wasn't the miracles that was going to change the course of history. It was this week, hallelujah, that was going to change the course of history. So allow me, allow me, if you will, to briefly give you an outline today as we consider the events of that special day 2,000 years ago, which we know as Palm Sunday. When you glance down at verse number 12, The first thing that we have to consider is the place to which Jesus came. We just can't can't focus on what happened. We must also focus on the place because the text says that Jesus came to Jerusalem, the beloved city of David. When you look in Psalms 87, verse number three, Jesus is mentioned, I'm sorry, Jerusalem is mentioned uh, as the city of God. And then when you look in the book of Revelation, we know it to be the city of gold. And then when you look in the book of Zechariah, the eighth chapter, verse number three, it is called the city of truth. And then in Psalms 42 and eight, can I preach the Bible for a minute? The psalmist wrote, he says, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north? 
the city of the great king. And so there is no other city on earth that compares with the city of Jerusalem. And the text says that he went the next day to Jerusalem. Uh, many of you all have heard the name of the 18th century hymnologist um, by the name of Isaac Watts. He compared the Christian journey through life to a soldier's march. And many of you all know this song. He says, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. And so we fight our battles and we march. We fight and we march some more. And so Paul, he wrote to young Timothy in the book of 2 Timothy, the second chapter, verse number three. He says, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then he says, one day we will reach our final destination, which is Mount Zion that's located in Jerusalem. And so first, hallelujah, you have to understand that it would be a place where he would send his only son to die for sinners. You see, the name Jerusalem means city of peace. I don't want you to miss that. The name Jerusalem, it means city of peace. And so one would find it hard to believe that today, given the heartache and the strife that is taking place in this very hour over in Jerusalem. However, the reason, the reason Jerusalem is called the city of peace in the Bible is because it is the place where God reconciled man to himself. I don't want y'all to miss it here. And how often have we heard the question, uh, have, have, have you made your peace with God? Listen, can I help somebody? Man without God has no peace because Isaiah 48 and 22, he says, there is no peace except the Lord unto the wicked. And so from the time in the garden of Gethsemane, the garden of Eden, when Adam sinned against God, man has been at enmity with God. But you need to understand that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross has removed that enmity and has replaced it with peace. And that's why Paul writing to the church at Ephesus in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, verse number 16, he says, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. How many of y'all know that it was at the cross? Oh God, let me, I got to save that for next Sunday. But at the cross is where we first saw the light and the burden of our hearts was rolled away. It was there by faith that I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. And so it was right there at Jerusalem, my God, where God reconciled himself back to mankind. And so as Jesus, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he knew that he was there for one reason, 
Come on, he was there for one reason. Jesus was on a mission of mercy. I'm going to say it again. He was on. He was on a mission of mercy. Again, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Let me talk about the place for a minute. Jerusalem is the place from where Jesus will rule during the millennial kingdom. His throne is going to be established there. Acts the second chapter, verse 30 says, God had sworn with an oath to him that he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. How many of y'all know he's going to sit on the throne? And guess where the throne is? The throne is in Jerusalem. David said in Psalms 132, verse 13, he says, For the Lord have chosen Zion. He have desired it for his habitation. And he said, this is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have uh, desired it. And then Zechariah 6, 13 says, even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and it shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his own throne, and the council of peace shall be between uh, them both. Well, let me stop for a second and let me ask you a question. Will you be there with him? Ha! I want you to know it's, it's my plans. It's my intentions to be there with him. I mean, have you received Jesus Christ into your life? Have you accepted his work on the cross for you? Ah, have you come to the realization that Jesus must not bear this cross alone, and all the world go free. But as we live in this world, there's a cross for everyone. We got to pick up our cross, and we got to follow him if we're going to sit on the throne along with him. You see, God sent his son, God sent his son to Jerusalem 2,000 years ago to die on a cross for you and me that he might redeem us and give us eternal life with him. So on this Palm Sunday, I don't have to wait till next Sunday, on this Palm Sunday, because Jesus rode into Jerusalem and he was on a mission of mercy. And that mercy, was he was having mercy on my soul. Somebody ought to say, God, I thank you. I thank you, my God, for your mercy. Revelations 21 and 3, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and he shall be their God. And so, yes, the place, Jerusalem, was very important. Here's Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of our king. You got to understand that the city of our king is right there in in Jerusalem. But then as I keep moving forward, lest I preach too long, we got to consider not only the place, but we also have to consider the people to whom he came for. Let's not get confused of the people that he came for. It's right there in that 12th and 13th verse. It's right there in the text that we read, because there were many people present on Palm Sunday, thousands and thousands of people, 
there were Jews and Gentiles alike. And when you go all the way down to verse 20, it says, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. You need to understand when we create an atmosphere of worship, it ain't no telling who might not come in. Y'all ain't got to talk back here to me. Ain't no telling when we create an atmosphere of worship. That's what God wants us to do. That He wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. He don't want us to worship him based upon our theories and based upon what we think, based upon our rules and regulation, but worship God for who God is. And God will send them in from the east. He'll send them in from the west and the north. He'll send them in from the south. Certain Greeks even came to worship there at the feast. There was an assortment of backgrounds represented on that day. There were the religious leaders. The Pharisees were there. The rich and the poor was there. The common and the well-to-do was there. How many of y'all know when you worship God, God will bring a different group of people together. He'll bring the white. He'll bring the black. He'll bring the rich. He'll bring the poor. He'll bring the educated. He'll, he'll bring the unlearned. And it don't matter because nobody looks down on nobody because they all come to worship God. In the, I'm going to feel like preaching in a minute, Peggy. They all come to worship God in the beauty of holiness. And the Bible even tells us in verse 17 that the people who had witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus, they had to show up that day. I mean, you don't know when people, my God, hallelujah, it's in the text. When people see that God is moving in your life, people want to come where you go. People want to go where you fellowship. When you talk about the goodness of God and the healing power of God, don't you know God, God will cause those folk to show up. And so them people was there once they saw that Lazarus had been raised from the dead. I want to bring out two points here. I want to bring out two points. Because first of all, Jesus, he came for the Jews. Now you do understand that the Jews were, his, were the chosen people. Notice Jesus, he came for the Jews. Because in verse 13, it says, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so, 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 so notice something. When Jesus, you remember, went through Samaria, he met the woman at the well. Y'all remember that? And this is what he said to her. He says, ye worship, ye know not what. Huh? But then he says, we know that what we worship, salvation is for the Jews. That's in St. John 4 and 22. But then throughout the scriptures, God had promised to send a redeemer and a Messiah to Israel. Now, even though some scripture says he came to his own and his own received him not, okay, that still did not change the fact that God had promised to send a redeemer and a Messiah to Israel. Come on, Matthew 1 and 21. And the angel of the Lord said unto Joseph, hey, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people, his people. I don't want y'all to miss that. His people from their sins. And so now he has come. 
is Palm Sunday. And the people shouted. They rejoiced. They said, Hosanna, Hosanna. Do you all know what Hosanna means? Hosanna means save us. <laughs> save us. And so unfortunately, unfortunately, some of those same people in a few days, I don't want y'all to miss this because it don't take but a few days for some folk. <laughs> the same people that were saying Hosanna are, were the same people that turn around and start saying, crucify him, crucify him. And so the sad record of history is that Israel rejected her Messiah. And instead of receiving him, they crucified him. And when Peter spoke to the Sanhedrin council in the book of Acts, he said to them, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, he says, you got to know this, that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, God has raised him from the dead. I wish y'all knew your Bible here today. You thought you was doing him harm. Hey, but uh-uh, not so. My God, he declared already, no man taking my life from me. I have power to lay down my life. And if I got power to lay it down, I can pick it back up again. And so Jesus, watch this, he came on Palm Sunday for the Jews. But thank God, he is, he's no respecter of person. Because not only did he come for the Jews, his own people, he came for everybody else. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know what that means? That included me. That included you. That included all of us, all the other representative bodies of people that was present on Palm Sunday, all the people of all time and of all races, Jesus came for them too. Oh, that's good news. Because before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he spoke to his disciples. And what did Jesus tell his disciples? Said, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you're going to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem. And I'm going to extend it beyond Jerusalem. Go over into Judea. Go over into Samaria where we don't even have no business going through. Go over to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so I don't know about you, my friend. I'm glad I got good news. Jesus came for all of us. I said, Jesus came for all of us. He came for me. <laughs> hey, he never left anybody out. Aren't you glad he don't leave you out? People have a way of, of you know, having their clicks. Hey, but he don't leave you out. Yeah, he don't have no clicks. All of us are God's children. And somebody here today, if you're listening to me, you're sitting under the sound of my voice, and you feel like no one cares about you, I want you to know the devil is a liar. I want to introduce you to Jesus. And I want you to know he cares about what you're going through right now. He knows what you're going through. And he cares all about you. And so on Palm Sunday, when Jesus began his short journey to Jerusalem on that little donkey, he came with you in mind. You weren't even born yet. 
but he had you on his mind. He came in order that people like you and I would never have to be alone. Why? Because he cares. He cares for you. And on this Palm Sunday, if you're feeling low, he cares about you. If you feel confused, he cares about you. If you're worried about what the media is saying, he cares about you. If you're worried about your job situation, he cares about you. I'm going to come down somebody's street in a minute and ring your doorbell. If he cares, if you're caring about your loved one, your family, your friends, I want you to know today that Jesus cares. He cares about you. He rode into Jerusalem on that donkey just for you. Come on. He didn't go in a Rolls Royce, in a Bentley, in a Jaguar. He didn't go in an Escalade. He rode on an ass. That's what the Bible said, on a little donkey. But he rode in Jerusalem just for you. He made the trip. And so the place to which he came and to people to whom he came to. And then let's close with the purpose, the purpose of why he went to Jerusalem. We've already said that Jesus came for sinners. We know that. We know he came for you. We know he came for me. He came for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. He just came to redeem mankind. Now we know that, but let me, let me give you two more reasons. And then I got to go. I have to get out of here, but let me give you two more reasons why Jesus came. Two more reasons, two more reasons why Palm Sunday was the beginning of something good for us. It was just the beginning for something good for us. Let me give you just two reasons quickly. I'm going to try to be quick on this. I, I, I need somebody to know that Jesus came in order that we might have a better life. Let me say it again. He came that we might have a better life. Listen to what he said in John 10 and 10. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Can can I help somebody here today? Because the Greek word for abundant, it has the idea of in the sense of beyond. In other words, super abundant in quantity or superior in quality. Come on here, somebody. And so and so by implication, he's really saying excessive. <laughs> Glory be to God. Somebody going to catch that word. Somebody, you better catch that word out of the air. Excessive. God, 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 see, see, I, I need somebody to understand. That's why he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey that we can experience abundant life right here on this earth. He says, I'll give it to you excessive. Oh, God. Mm. Come on, can I put some scripture? I'll bless you where you don't even have room enough to receive it. That's his word. So if I don't have room to receive it, that means it's excessive. Hey, glory be to God. Don't get, don't get mad at me because I believe his word. Well, let me preach. This ain't Bible study. Let me preach. I'm, I'm, you know, let me preach. Amen. Come on here, somebody. 
I come that you might have life. And you have it more abundant, super abundant, full quantity, superior in quality, excessive. I'm going to give you everything that you need. And not only will I give you what you need, I'm going to give you some of your wants. Y'all, somebody ought to clap those hands and give God some praise. Then Paul comes along and pick it up. Not that, not, not, not that Paul had to confirm anything that Jesus said, but it was down in his spirit. And Paul writing to the church at Ephesus says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power. Yeah, I'm going to feel like preaching in a minute. According to the power that worketh down on the inside of us. Honey, if you got the power working, work it, baby, work it. Y'all ain't got to talk back here to me. Work the power that's in you. If you ain't got no power, that ain't our problem. Those of you that have the power, have you been, have you received the power since you believe? And if you got it, work it. Because it's that scripture says you got to work. The power that lieth inside of you. Many people, well, I'm going to say it, they have the idea that abundant life can only be found in materialism, education, and pleasure. That's the world's measure of what abundant life is. And come on, can I help you? That's foolish. That's foolish. All those things do not equal the abundant life. But let me tell you what abundant life is. Abundant life is simply Jesus and you. Oh, y'all missed it. So you thought I was going to get you something complicated. Abundant life is just Jesus and you. If you got Jesus and you show up. See, some of y'all ain't shown up yet. Hey, some of y'all ain't shown up yet. Jesus is waiting on you to show up. Jesus and you is abundant, is abundant life. Well, I better not hold y'all too long. Mm. Hallelujah. And can I tell you something? Just because you saved, it does not mean that you are experiencing abundant life or because you're saved. We got a lot of saved folks that's not experiencing the abundant life that Christ wants you to experience. But all you need for abundant living is just you. <laughs> And Jesus, you a winning combination. Well, there was a little boy. <laughs> Maybe you'll understand it this way. <clears throat> little boy who lived far out in the country. And they said it was way back in the late 1800s. And the boy had reached the age of 12. And he had never in all his life seen a circus. And so you could imagine his excitement when one day, A poster went up at his school announcing that on that next Saturday, a traveling circus was coming to their nearby town. And so the little boy ran home with with the glad news and the cresting. He said, Daddy, can I go? Can I go? And although the family was poor, uh, the father sensed how important this was to the little boy. And so he says to him, if you 
You know, if you do all your Saturday chores ahead of time, I'll see to it that you have the money to go to the circus. And so Saturday morning came. The chores were done. The little boy stood by the breakfast table, dressed in his best clothes. His father reached down into his pockets, the pockets of his overalls, and he pulled out a $5 bill. Hallelujah. And that's the most money that the little boy had ever possessed at one time in his life. And so the father cautioned him. He said, son, be careful. And then he sent him on his way to town. And so the boy was so excited. <laughs> his feet seemed hardly to touch the ground all the way. <laughs> and as he neared the outskirts of the village, he noticed that people were lining the streets. And he worked his way through the crowd until he could finally see what was happening. And lo and behold, it was approaching. Hallelujah. The circus parade. Oh, it was approaching. And so the parade was the grandest thing this little boy had ever seen. Caged animals as they had passed by. There were bands that were beating their rhythms and they were sounding the horns. Midgets performed acrobatics, swapped flags and ribbons. They swirled everywhere. Oh, the boy was excited. And so finally, after everything had passed where he was standing, the traditional circus clown, hallelujah, with floppy shoes and baggy pants and a brightly painted face. He brought up the rear of the parade. And as the, and as the clown passed by, the little boy reached down in his pocket <laughs> and he pulled out the $5 bill and he handed the $5 bill to the clown. And the boy turned around and he went home. Can I tell y'all something? Sound like a good story, don't it? No. What had happened was this. The boy thought that he had saw, seen the circus when all he really saw was the parade. And that's how it is with so many saints. You're just looking at the parade. You're just looking at the start of things. But can I put scripture on this? Your eyes have not seen, nor have your ears heard, neither have it appeared unto the hearts of men what good things God has in store for them that love him. The abundant life is seeing the circus. Not just watching the parade. <laughs> come on, somebody. He said, I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Don't give up your $5 on the parade. <laughs> come on. Don't feel that God ain't got nothing else for you. 
You're not washed up. Come on. You haven't seen everything yet. God's got some more blessings. God's got some more miracles. God's got some more anointing. God's got some more healing. God's got some more for you. Don't give your $5 up on the parade. Stay for the circus. I hope you all understand what I'm saying here today. I hope you understand. Well, I'm done. I'm finished. Well, let me give you the last one. Because Jesus came. He came, my brothers and my sisters, that we might have a present help (laughs) in the time of trouble. That's why he came. Let's not complicate this thing. He came that we might have a present help. God said, I want to help you right where you are. God says, I, I want to help you. Psalms 124 and 8 says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Hebrews 4 and 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of help. (laughs) I'm not one that's going to make you think I got it all together, Diane. I need a lot of help. I need financial help. I need physical help. I need spiritual help. I need everything any other mortal being need. But I got good news. Jesus is my help. Psalm 60 and 11, he says, give us help from trouble. For vain is the help of man. My help don't come from man. My help comes from the Lord. Man chooses whom he desires to help. But God is no respecter of person. My help cometh from the Lord. Man is a little help during this time. Some of us are going through some stuff that man can't help us. It's going to take more than a telephone call. Y'all ain't going to help me. It's going to take more than a pat on the back. Anybody ever been there? Come on, somebody. It's going to take more than a $5 bill. It's going to take more than a circus or a parade. My help cometh from the Lord. He is my refuge and my strength, my present help in the time of trouble. So Palm Sunday, let's not forget the place, Jerusalem, the people, everybody, and the purpose that we have abundant life and that we recognize that he is our help. Every eye closed, every head bow. That was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. But let me ask you this question. If you were present 2,000 years ago on that Sunday, which crowd would you be standing in? Which crowd would you really be standing in? Would you have been in the saved crowd standing with Lazarus? 
Because the Bible says, because of him, because of Lazarus, many believed on Jesus because of Lazarus. It took a death. <laughs> it took a lot of grief. It took a lot of pain. But because of him, the next day, much people had come to the feast. Or would you be with the crowd that's saying, crucify him, crucify him? Which crowd are you with? Today, which crowd are you with? Are you with the hallelujah crowd? Or are you with the crowd that's too busy? Are you, are you with the crowd that can only sign on Sundays at 11 o'clock and you can't sign on no more? Which crowd are you on? Come on. Which crowd are you following, saints? That's what Palm Sunday is all about. And that whatever you need, you can have it today because Jesus is able to meet every one of your needs. Now, God, I share with your people what you placed on my heart to share. Thank you, God, for preaching power. Thank you, God. You allowed me to share your word without coughing. And you said your word would not go forth void, but it, you would accomplish what you set out for it to accomplish. God, let your word accomplish what you so desire. God, I thank you for Palm Sunday. And thank you, God, that you rolled into Jerusalem for me. That all I had to do was just believe. I thank you for Palm Sunday because you rode in Jerusalem that we may have abundant life. That's where it all started, there in Jerusalem. You rode into Jerusalem to let us know that you are our help. You are our refuge. You are our strength. And God, I say thank you. We don't doubt you. We trust you. God, help everybody that's, that needs your help. Pray a special blessing, God, for the Houston family, the Houston family. You heard, this, you heard God, these special requests from Roxanne. You are a healer. The world don't believe it. And then, God, we pray that your will be done. Let them know you make no mistakes. You make no mistakes. And that you will get them through whatever they need to get through. Because you went into Jerusalem. <laughs> God, to be our comforter and to be our strength. Touch them now in the name of Jesus. Uphold the family. We pray for the McKinney family, God, that you would uphold them. We pray for the St. Stephen's Cathedral Church. We pray for the second jurisdiction. We pray for all the bishops and the officials that will be traveling in. God, that you will sustain them. God, we pray for peace during this time. No confusion, God, but peace. Let us hear your voice. Let us hear your voice in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you and we praise you. If there's anyone that don't know your darling son, Jesus, as a personal savior, save them before it's too late. They can't come, God, unless you draw them. And we know it's with loving kindness that you've already drawn all of us. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.